Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join our hosts, Phil Dark and Rick Morton. All right, welcome again to the Think Orphan podcast. This is Rick Morton along with Phil Dark. Phil, how are things in California today, buddy? They're going all right. They are going all right. It's it's not the sunny California like you uh, hear about in all the movies and you watch and you see and everyone's talking about sunny California. It is a lot more like Seattle, which is interesting since that is where both of our guests are from. You like how I did that? Wow, like that how was I did nice. That, Rick? that was really yeah. nice. So yeah. yeah. I'm every so often I come up with things like that where it's just it's just smooth it's just smooth as butter. So um, you know, in all seriousness, and, and it everybody is. saw my surprise because we really don't rehearse this. I know you find that yes. hard to believe, folks, but it just kind of happens. It just it just does <laughs> exactly right. It just happens. <laughs> so you know, it is it is cold and rainy and just cloudy and it is just like that up in Seattle too. And our guests actually are from Seattle. I wasn't kidding. Our two guests today are two of our former guests and you know from the conversations I've had with people out there they're two of our favorite guests you know yep. and I think it's probably got a lot you know to do with the way that we interviewed them I'm sure it had to do with a lot of that because that's usually what it is. But, you know, other than that, they are just two phenomenal women um, that are doing some incredible things. And so, Rick, I got a, a crazy thought now. Why don't you introduce yep. one of them and I'll introduce the other and you can choose who you want to introduce. Well, I mean, so go for it. You, you know, um, Karen Springs is one of my favorites, one of my, one of my favorite guests and just one of my favorite people on the planet. And, and so... We are uh, privileged to have her back. She's the author of Adoption in the Rearview Mirror, or Adoption Through the Rearview Mirror. Um, she's the communications lead for World Without Orphans and has extensive experience working in, uh, in the orphan care world, uh, particularly a lot of hands-on experience in Ukraine, but, uh, but literally as somebody who is, is known around the world. And so we're excited to have Karen with us and also... Ellie Oswald. So Ellie Oswald, and what you didn't mention about Karen, she's also a day, she's a teacher by day now. She's Absolutely. teaching at a, at a school. So she's just a jack Multi-fat, of all trades. Multifast. A Jill of all trades, excuse me. So, um, and uh, we also have Ellie Oswald with us today. She is the executive director of uh, Faith to Action, which I'm sure many of you listening right now know of Faith to Action. We've had so many other guests on the show talk about Faith to Action because a lot of the resources they put out and some amazing things that they've done over the years. And what we're going to be talking about on this episode in particular is uh, the Global Church Pledge, which um, Faith to Action and some a lot of other organizations, including Providence World, which is mine, and I don't know if Lifeline has, has signed it yet, but um, a lot of organizations have signed. So we're going to talk more about that and uh, just really what they've been up to since the last time they were on the show, which for Karen was not that long. Uh, so we get to talk with both of these ladies. And without more from, from Rick and I, because I'm sure you guys, now that you know who our guests are, you're sitting there going, can you guys just be quiet and get to Ellie and Karen? And so we're going to do that. Just with one more thing I'm going to say to you is if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast and definitely Connect with us if you have any questions, if you have other guests you want to uh, tell us about to get on this show. Let us know. Give us a, Drop us an email at info at thinkorphan.com. So without more from us, we're going to get to Ellie Oswald and Karen Springs. 
Hello, Karen and Ellie. Hi. Welcome. Hello. We are back at uh, Think Orphan, you know, and this has been, for Karen, it hasn't been that long, you know. It's been, you know, a few couple months, a few months since we've, since we've talked to you about your awesome book that you know, we've had a ton of feedback on that show, and it's been probably, you know, the similar feedback to what you're getting for the book, which was it's phenomenal, and thank you for what you're doing and who you are, and I know we're all appreciative for it. So, Karen, thanks for uh, coming back on the show with us. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Rick. It's my privilege or pleasure, my pleasure to be here. Thank you. <laughs> That's it's all right. Privilege. That's your all right. Privilege. It's our privilege. Your pleasure. That's right. I, I'm confused right now. So I'm just going to go to Ellie. So Ellie, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, right? These days, pretty well is, is wonderful. So That's yeah, doing good. Well, great. Well, you know, as Rick and I were talking about you, you know, you ladies didn't get to hear what we were talking about, but it was it was probably ninety eight percent good stuff. Um, so uh, about both of you now, we just were introducing you guys, talking about the Global Church pledges is what we get to talk about today. But before we get there, I just want to, you know each of you to give a quick reminder both of you who have been on the podcast we're going to put those episodes that you've been on in the past uh karen you've been on twice before so you have now tied peter greer and brandon stiver as the guests who have been on the most on the think orphan podcast so congratulations you had no idea that was coming so um we don't really have any prizes for that but if we did it would be pretty awesome and um and so you know, I just want to hear just really just what what you guys who you guys are and why, uh, you know, just really how people can get to know a little bit more about you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I am serving as the communications lead uh, at World Without Orphans, where I'm working alongside our global team to report on what's going on globally with our regional ambassadors and to share stories of encouragement and hope and try to communicate that um, out to our community and beyond. And as you said, I recently launched the book, Adoption Through the Rearview Mirror. So I've been trying to share that in the year of, of the pandemic when I can't go to conferences and, and share and the like, which I know has been a challenge for many in our space. But I guess the beautiful thing about writing is people can still read um, even if they can't go anywhere. So maybe more people have been able to read because of that. So, um, and I've known Ellie for goodness, many, several years now, um, as she has worked alongside us with World Without Orphans, and I'll let her share about herself. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, with Faith to Action, and as we talked about last time, really the focus of Faith to Action is to um, reach out to U.S. Christians, but Christians all over the world, but specifically U.S. Christians to try to um, educate and mobilize them to support best practices and care for kids, especially recognizing the importance of family in the life of a child. Um, so in the middle of a pandemic, um, a lot of the normal ways that we connect with people are gone. But I'll say, I think it's been a really rough year. I mean, we all know that, um, but they're um, 2020. Now, where I guess this will be showing in two, 2021. Um, but there's been some really good things happening at Faith to Action. And I think in the family care movement in general, we're finding new ways to engage people, um, maybe reaching more, like with the book, maybe reaching more than we have um, in the past, definitely reaching more people than we have in the past. The depth of our engagement is, is harder, but um, 
and we've been able to work with organizations who are transitioning, who are trying to figure out how to, how to do better, um, maybe transitioning from more of a, a foundation and residential care and the orphanage model to more family-based care, journeying with them as they kind of work through what that means for their organization. And we've done a lot of that. We had a cohort last, this fall, um, with 100 organizations that were transitioning that went through our training and then got coaching and connected with other organizations that can help them um, through this transition. So a lot of really good things, um, but we're missing seeing each other face-to-face -face, um, and we're excited for a day when we can do that again. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's funny because you say you talk about the cohorts, you talk about the transitioning. And I, I just think of all the, as I said in the intro, there's so many of our former guests have have uh, used Faith Action and the amazing resources that Faith Action has. And just one of our recent guests, Spencer Reeves, with Child Hope International in Haiti and, and the transitions they're doing and talking about how much they've been working with you guys. And it's just so great. I mean... I know it's the shock to you to hear that I love hearing stories about collaboration and connection mm -hmm. and hearing people that are actually doing what we're talking about, where it's let's get together and, you know, not think about what it, you know, what we might get out of it or what this or what that, but just how can the care of these children around the world become, you know, more and more excellent and more and more what we know it's, it's family based and to get children into the families. And so that's, that's what I love seeing, you know, and, and I, I will say one more thing that we, I neglected to mention early on is this is the first time we've had four people on the, on oh, the show. I was Sorry. wondering about that. Um, it's, it's pretty it's Hollywood amazing. Squares is growing. We're I'm like, just, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna host a conference at this thing pretty soon. This, you know, it, well, you know, I, we have. Well, let me let me take a step yeah. back just so people don't write in and tell me that I'm wrong. Um, that we have had video conferences with more people, but not the not actual the episodes of the show. Right. So on that note. I got a great sign the other day, and so you guys will appreciate this humor because you know me well enough, but it was that they gave it to me at a men's event recently at the church because they know me too, and it says, I may be wrong, but I doubt it. So um, <laughs> anyway, th just that was something that's bonus coverage for you guys. Rick, now it's your cool. turn. And, you know, Phil's, Phil's not wrong about the fact that we're really excited about having both of you and, and that this is a conversation that we've been eager to, to dig into. And so I guess probably the best place for us to start is really like, let's just talk about the Global Church Pledge and, and kind of the, you know, the why behind that. And, and so, Ellie, if you could just kind of give us a little bit of background about uh, what that is and, and then kind of begin to orient our listeners to, um, you know, how that intersects with, with their ministries possibly. So yes, hopefully people are starting to hear about this Global Church Pledge. People have maybe been a part of it or starting to hear about it, um, but it's actually, it's two sentences. It's nothing magical. Um, I'll read them for you since we're going to be talking about it and might as well know what that is. The first sentence is, we believe God designed families as the best environment for children and young people to receive the love, belonging, and protection they need in order to flourish. So that's the first sentence. Mm -hmm. The second is, Therefore, on behalf of vulnerable children around the world, we commit to support efforts which strengthen families, invest in family-based solutions, and combat the root causes of their vulnerability. So it's, it's relatively simple, it's, but it's comprehensive and it's positive. And I think um, it took a lot of work to get there, um, but I think it is those things. <laughs> Well, and it's one of those statements that when you, you know, when you read it and, and you see it, you know that like 
there's there's a conservation in every word like it's it's very intentional and obviously it's there are a lot of people spend a lot of time to come to to that agreement um mm -hmm. why like what what's the what's the driving force behind um trying to have a simple statement like this that is so intentional um th that be something that that we in the church adopt across the world well i mean it's 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 because the church is important and it plays a really vital role in any change in care reform as we call it um, in any improvement that is going to happen globally in care for children it's vital and um, for two reasons one because the church is the one providing care for children around the world um, just in the u.s we actually are by the time this podcast release we'll have data out um, that we worked with barna group who does all sorts of wonderful research 3,000 Christians surveyed about their support for orphans and vulnerable children um, abroad. 31%, so about a third of all Christians in the U.S. have given funding, given money to residential care in the last two years. That's 77, over 77 and a half million people. Um, and imagine that maybe they all gave $30 in the last two years, which is probably super duper low. That's over $2.3 billion. Um, so Christians are so generous in the way that they're giving. On the ground, we know that Christians are serving children in so many ways, including orphanages, and the local church is responding. Um, so so the, ch the church is there, and there are areas of improvement, of course. The second is Christians are also leading in, and they're the best suited to lead in the family care movement. Church and Christians are the ones who, who have been and continue to serve families. And um, Karen can talk story after story. She shares stories about World Without Orphaned partners who are doing incredible work to strengthen families. I worked for a church in Seattle and when there was a family in our community that was in crisis, you know, a marriage was failing or there was a death or something, we were there. You know, we had a team meeting, we came together say, what can we do to help the Joneses or whoever it was? The church is doing that every single day. There was another study that came out from Barna a couple, last year before the, the crisis that um, was looking at um, what pastors care about. And one of the number one things was they care about the families, the health of the families in their congregation. Um, the church is at the ground level. They're the face, they are the face-to-face, -face, the real, the long-term sustainable family care mechanism. And um, they can provide emergency response to families. They can provide alternative care to kids that need it. Um, so, so we're not the, us Christians aren't the only one. We're not the only ones that think we're important though. Everyone involved in care reform knows that Christians and, and the church is a vital part of seeing any sort of change and improvement. So this, this, this pledge is just a tool to continue to help mobilize, to, to, um, to let people commit to family care, but also to invite new people into this work that we're all doing together. I love it. I, you know, I think that you know, honoring and kind of almost coming from that theological side of things as well to say that um, you know, organizations are going to come and go and, and they're going to live and sometimes outlive their usefulness but we have this promise that right the church is going to endure like we're going to we're going to see the church generation after generation and god's made that promise and so i love the fact that that you've gone you've gone straight to the church and that this is a this is a pledge and an initiative that's aimed um, at mobilizing the church and, and so this is really really exciting stuff phil yeah definitely no i think that that you have um the 
and it's not just the U.S. church pledge, right? So, you know, I think that's kind of where the World Without Orphans is being a part of this, um, and uh, so many other organizations, right? I mean, can you can you just really quickly just share some of the organizations that people might recognize to show the breadth of this? I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, um, but uh, I know you know, I know you know at least some to just show the breadth of it from small to big, you know, and just really all over the world. I mean, is there at this point, we, you know, we're just launching the pledge just in January, launching the pledge. So it's not fully public, but um, as the over the last year, and I can talk a little bit more about the history, you know, people have been involved in it. And so we already have, I think it's like, oh, 40 some organizations. So we're talking World Vision. We're talking the Chalmers Center who wrote the One Helping Hurts. Um, we're talking World Relief, obviously World Without Orphans. Um, smaller organizations that are, are um, you know, in, in countries, not just the Western international agencies, um, Bethany Global, Buckner, CAFO, um, you know, a lot of people you've seen on the, or heard on this podcast. Um, people understand, it, that's what surprises me. I, I've been trying to help this move along, along with others in this facilitation team. And I keep thinking, if this isn't helpful, I don't need to spend my time doing it. But people keep responding and saying, you know, this could be really useful. This is useful. People are already using it. So um, the momentum is is just building and we're following it in some ways. Yep. And that, that reminds me of the video that you, you know, you sent me recently that, you know, as given our technology isn't probably, we're not at the level of some of the podcasts I've seen that integrate video and it's really amazing how they do all that. But what we're going to do is put the link to the video, which then you can pretend that it's just seamlessly integrated into the video of our podcast, that it's uh, it's actually really cool. There are, like, like you said, there are several guests we've had on the show that are on that, but it really is a, you know, in the orphan care world, I like to say it's the star-studded orphan care world video, and it's a lot of people, if you've been doing this very long, I mean, Rick's not on it, but other than that, it's like the who's who of all orphan careness. Um, so, but in all seriousness though, the video is phenomenal. I mean, it's just a great three minute video that just really gives a, a quick, you know, uh, just here's what this global church pledge is about. It captures that momentum. Yeah. Like, again, this is just two sentences. It's not a, it's not a program. It's not an organization. It's not a campaign. It's just two sentences and people hear it and they say, yeah, yeah, let's do this. Let's, I want to yeah. be a part of this. And I, and since you've never done this before, can I ask Karen a question? Is that, no, that I don't know, new? Ellie. New territory <laughs> being, being like I, right in front of us. Actually, the made. first time I, yeah. the first time yeah. I was on the podcast, Phil's like nodding his head because he knows I'm going to say this, but I actually co-hosted and was the guest. <laughs> so I asked Phil questions the I, very first time I was on the podcast. So I say, yes. Ellie, do what you I want. have <laughs> said, I, hey, Karen, you're not the co-host this time. Stop <laughs> it. But I will say that Karen is the pioneer of pioneers on this show. Like, I, I, when we want to, when we want to, I, I say pioneer, you could also say guinea pig, but it's got, it's pioneer <laughs> is how the good, you know, that's the good, good side of it. So, yeah, go ahead, Ellie. Sure. What the heck? I, we don't, we have no idea, folks. You know, we say this is unscripted. 
Absolutely, go for it. I have no idea what you're asking. This is like what breaking every rule of podcasting. No, just kidding. That's go right. Ahead. Go ahead. As, they put, as, as you put us in the fun. waiting room, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> you guys are going to go to the waiting room. Um, yeah, no, Karen, I think, so faith to action, like the thing is, this is so much bigger than faith to action or even world without orphans. And so, you know, one of the things we've tried to do is make sure that we are hearing from people to make sure it's as helpful as possible. So faith to actions perspective, I was a U.S. missions pastor. We work mostly with the U.S. church. It cannot be ran by me because that's my perspective only. So Karen, I'd love for you to, as in regards to the question that I was fielding on, you know, why, why do we need a pledge or why of the pledge? From your perspective, who you get to deal with the church around the globe every day, you know, what are, what's the main why for well, you? I think, and you, you touched on this already, but like the beauty being in the simplicity of it and you saying, you know, it's not the program, it's not the organization. And I think when it comes to an area like orphan care and we can all get into our lanes, you know, the lane of, well, we do family preservation or we do adoption or we do foster care or we do intervention prevention and you get, everyone gets in their lanes. And I think that sometimes, you know, we can lose sight of the overall goal. And I think so what's beautiful about this is like, let's bring it down to the simplest thing of what can we all come to the table and agree to, and then maybe from that table launch into our lanes. And I think that um, because there's no doubt that we do need the lanes that people are experts in and the people that can champion one maybe specific area. But I think sometimes what happens is we get all those people in a room and then they, they, everybody wants their thing to rise to the top. And so this is kind of the reverse of saying, let's all come around the table and say, you know, we believe that children, you know, belong in families. That was God's intention. And that we can say that strengthening families and investing in family-based solutions and combating root causes of vulnerability, that those three things, yes, we all agree. And now we can go off and do, do our things. And so I think from the World Without Orphans perspective, um, you know, we called people to that vision of a world without orphans. And, and a lot of that initial call, I think, was around foster care and adoption at the national level. It was, you know, let's find national solutions. But as we dug deeper and we're working with people on the ground, you know, we, we began to see where really there was a lot of need in prevention of how do you actually stop the funnel, right, of kids going into the system. And then, um, or if they're, you know, if once they're in, how do you then get them out? But how do you cut off that source? So I think that's, again, what's so beautiful about this is it's, it's bringing something to the global church. And instead of starting with, hey, close your orphanage down, or hey, do this, it's, why don't we start a conversation around this? And if you agree with this, then what might God have for you next? So I, um, I've talked with Ellie a lot about this as we really just see this, this is a conversation starter. Yes, it's like signing your name to say something, but it's, it's something to bring people to the table to start the conversation about how to see kids in families safely and that mm -hmm. they're loving families. So Karen, I'd love to follow that up and, and just say for our listeners that are, that are out there really around the world that are, that are hearing this and, and maybe they're hearing about the pledge for the first time, how can they take steps to to advocate? They, you know, say they've heard it and they they agree. Like, what are the practical steps that people can take from this point um, in order to in order to step in and become part of the conversation and and also to use um, their influence wherever they are to extend the conversation? 
Yeah, well, I think, I mean, part of that is, is they're in their own realm of, of starting that conversation. And there is going to be some more, and I'm maybe going to ping it to Ellie to say about getting more of the resources, but we're putting together a whole press kit of how to have the assigning event or how to have a gathering around this topic. Um, and, and obviously those are starting as English-based resources, but through our World Without Networks and, uh, network and other connections that we have, our goal is to get this as widely translated as possible. And you'll notice on the website, um, and obviously I know your audience right now is English speakers, but if you go to the website, you will see a list of languages and that's in the process right now of even being updated and expanded so that people can use this globally because as you indicated it is the global church pledge so i think even if it was a u.s if this is a u.s listener listening from their perspective in their church they could first ask the question okay is this something my church can get behind can we or is this where we're at and then if we're partnering with a church in say Nicaragua, or we have a partnership in Haiti, is this something that we can bring to the church we partner with and say, hey, can we sign this together? And what does this mean for you? So I think it is, again, Ellie's always so great at saying it is what you make of it. You know, this can be, it literally can be, a, I signed a website, which is not what we want it to be, <laughs> but that's what it could be. Or it can be the launching pad of your national movement or your citywide movement to say, we want to see things different for children in our community. Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple of things that um, I, I think are helpful in understanding why a pledge, like what, why was a pledge really going to do anything? And like I told, like Karen said, is it really doesn't do anything without, without people behind it that are inviting people to it and then journeying with them beyond it. And that's um, many of the people who listen to this podcast, I know because they're my friends are doing this work and they have something to invite people into. And this is an opportunity. I, the hope is it, bring mom, it brings momentum around what already exists. And so, you know, the pledge can do a couple of things. I think one, it, it helps people feel like a part of something much bigger. Um, much, much bigger. If you look at the logos that are on the website, if you, if you see the people who are signing, um, this, is, this movement is not, I often will go talk to people in a room of 30 or 40 and, and they're like, who are you to tell me this, you know, and to say like, this is not Ellie. This is, this is a whole movement of people that are behind this, the whole movement of the church. So it can help people feel like something bigger. It brings validity to a message that can sometimes be hard. So doing work in a specific place, you know, um, the opportunity to advocate with churches or with even with the government to say, um, you know, what I've been saying is what the global church is saying. Here, look, see, we're a part of this bigger movement. Um, in the last, actually, personally, I didn't realize this until recently, but the last like 10 years, I've always thought if only people knew like how many people think about this and are working on this and that are a part of this, they would, they would be more open to the conversation because I'm often talking to people who this is the first time they've heard this idea of family-based care. Um, so I think it brings validity. Um, it also creates something that um, I used to call peer pressure, but now I call it positive peer pressure because I learned that in the World Without Orphans training recently. It creates pre that social pressure in, and I'm learning more about social change. All social change, it doesn't happen one by one. People don't change in isolation. They change when they look around and there's other people changing and they're like, oh, I probably should change too. Um, so it creates this kind of um, social pressure, but hopefully a positive pressure 
and helps people to make some of those behavior changes earlier on. And then even in behavior change, right, there's the theory of behavior change is like, what is it? pre-contemplation, contemplation, decision, and I don't know, whatever, I'm messing this up. Um, but there is a point where decision has to be made. And so this, is, this tool can be helpful at that decision point. It's a point where someone goes from, huh, really? To, you know what? I'm in, I'm in, I'm gonna do this. And if that means I'm gonna join World Without Orphans leadership team, if that means I'm gonna start funding, you know, some great organization, like I'm, I'm committed, I'm in. So there's a lot of ways you can use it. There's a lot of examples we're already hearing of people using it to bring together church leaders in their community, to, to help you know, advocate, to say the, Christ, the faith community here believes in this and as a government, we need you to do this or that. Um, bringing together donors that, you know, trying to bring donors along with a vision you have for short-term missions, um, rallying churches. There's a lot of different ways people are starting to, to use yeah. it. So I have another question, but before I ask, I want to make sure you have nothing else to ask, Ellie, because, you know, you've kind of, you know. So, <laughs> oh, okay, all right, all right, allow. just making sure. Allow. I just wanted to check in on you. Um, so I just want to make sure I, I, that the audience understands. For those who don't know where this Global Church Pledge came from, you know, I have, I have a couple questions I want to ask, but the first one really goes to, it just didn't come out of Ellie sitting in her, her office with a couple other people and just saying, hey, here's what the, the pledge, we, the pledge needs to say this. Let's just put it out there and get some people to sign it that are our cronies. And then we're just going to get it out there and then have everyone follow this thing. Right. So how did it come together? You know, and I, and I obviously know since I was there, but are part of it, anyway, <laughs> not at the very beginning. But I know that you and Chris Kandaya and some other folks talked about something and then some other things happened. And so can you just kind of give the timeline, so to speak, of the Global Church Pledge? Yeah, well, I mean, it started way before that. And, you know, a few for the last few years, several kind of members of this family care movement have been talking about a need for some sort of unifying statement and um, and um, Ruslan, who's leading World Without Orphans at the time, Sarah, who's leading Faith to Action, Rebecca Nepp, others kind of really talked about it a couple years, I guess that was five years ago. Um, but it wasn't really, it didn't really start taking action until one year ago. One year ago, December 19th, well, actually, I think it was November, but December 19th is when the resolution came through. That was when the UN said that they were going to focus the, their rights of the child resolution on um, family care. And that is a big deal. That was a very big deal. So a group of us came together in New York during the United Nations General Assembly meetings. Phil was there. And, um, and we talked about um, how can we together, like, is there something more we could do together than doing it separately to accelerate efforts to see Christians supporting safe and loving families around the world? There's 32 Christian organizations at that meeting. Um, and we really, essentially the resolution was kind of further evidence for all of us that care reform was happening. Like it's happening, this is real. Every single country in the world signed on to that resolution. And many people believe that this change is accelerating at a pace that we really haven't even seen before. So then we, we asked in that meeting, like, what is the church's role in care reform and what can we do? Is there something we can do to see the church take a greater role um, in this work? Um, and recognizing the shortfalls. Um, the uh, Barna research that's coming out, I think I mentioned earlier, it also found that 91% of US Christians think that 
orphanages are necessary. They're just a necessary thing that's that we live with. And 86% think they're good. They're a really good thing. Um, so we, we know those things are, aren't necessarily true, that there are other options for kids, um, that these, um, that there are other options that are showing better outcomes for kids. Um, so there's room for the, the church to grow and how, and it felt like too big of a problem <laughs> and we had to come together to do it. So, um, the biggest consensus, I think, you know, just at the top level of everybody's mind is that in that meeting in New York is that we'd have to do, we have to work together. We to continue to wake up the church and call them to the work to continue to call them because they're already in this work, but to continue to call them to the support of family care. Um, and there was a lot of different big ideas that came out of that meeting. Phil, you probably remember some of them are coming together in other ways. Some haven't come in, come together yet, but overall, I think we needed something that united us, something that said, how do we all work together? What, what is it that we come under? And so that's what the, the pledge was really responding to. Yeah, no, and that was a great, that was a great uh, gathering because it was just so many different organizations, like you said earlier, big and small. I mean, mine's about as small as it gets. And there were some very, very large ones as well. And, and what I loved is it wasn't like the big dogs got there at the table and said, hey, we're the big dogs and we're going to tell you the way it is. No, everyone was an equal there. And that's the way it should be at the end of the day is, you know, we have our different ideas, we have our different skills, and sometimes the little ones are the ones that are able to do certain things because of the flexibility. And sometimes, obviously, the big ones have the resources and ability to, and the connections and the re relationships usually, right? So it does take that team. It does take the, the group together. But as you said, the, that unifying, you know, what is our battle cry? You know, we as organizations say we really need that battle cry. We need that that purpose statement, that mission, that vision that we're going to gather around. We're going to unify around. It's our center, so to speak. And as, if we're truly going to be a movement, then we got to have that battle cry that we know that this is success, right? If we're just getting a bunch of stuff done, but it's not going toward that battle cry then what are we really doing you know and so and like you said earlier that you know being that it's the global church pledge and not just a global orphan care pledge even you know it really does bring in that the the context of you know what is what are we doing here in the kingdom building what does that look like as well so with that you know the the really the last kind of question before we're not going to do two questions like we normally do because you guys have already answered that one and i don't want to put you on the spot again about one person but before we get to that question um th that uh most people know if you haven't listened to the show then you're going what is that question um we'll try to put off your suspense and you're wondering what that question is for a minute here because i want to talk with you guys a little bit about um really the future plans of you know the faith action world without orphans and what you're hoping other organizations have really you know we talked a little bit of how organizations can use the pledge but you talked about things you're working on you talked about some of the other things that are going on we're and folks you know all this will be out not all of it a lot of this will be out when this airs so if you go to the show notes you can get all the resources that you know we're talking about here that are available we'll have those links on the on the show notes so just go to thinkorphan.com and you can click on this episode and you can find out all these you know find all these resources there so that's really will be one stop shopping for you um given that we're recording this right before christmas one shop stop one stop shopping would be really nice um if we could have that but um really what are those future plans to use the pledge the relationships created from as you said it's a conversation starter but we want it to start conversations to do what and what is that hope for it 
um, really to further the great work that's already going on and that hopefully will continue going on that we know about um, around the world. Well, I don't want to end without saying some of the practical things we need. I'm just just to start there, but I mean, if you haven't signed the pledge, pledge, you can sign online. If you represent an organization, go into your organization and see if that's something you could put your logo on, because that's really exciting when we could say, you know, this organization is willing to get behind this. You can sign it as an individual. You can sign it as a church, an organization. It's all on globalchurchpledge.org. It's easy. There's a translate button if you would rather have it in a different language and, um, and all of that. Also, um, probably um, more importantly is think about, take a second after you turn off this podcast and think about is this, could this pledge be helpful in what I'm doing? You know, for example, we have, um, we, we continue to engage the U.S. church and we often have a hard time with churches that are like really doing great work and are just, you know, um, not sure how they engage in this this work because you know they're doing good work on the ground what else do you want me to do and so the global we're considering inviting some of those bigger churches that have influence on other churches and other christians with great speakers to say to put your name behind it um and that's just a way that faith to action is thinking strategically about how to use the pledge um karen mentioned we have a promotional toolkit that is up there and it has like examples of different ways people are using the pledge. It has the logo and it has the video you can use. Um, anything really that will help you think about maybe you want to do a launch event, a virtual launch event or in-person launch, launch event. And event. <laughs> um, like you could, we did one in DC before um, coronavirus came and it was an incredible moment for church leaders in the US to come together and to sign something, and you know, it's so easy for us to bicker over little stuff, but for us to find something to come together on that unifies us. Um, so there's there's stuff like that. And also if you can translate the pledge, the two sentences, we'd love to get that. So those are just some practical things, um, but, but um, I can let Karen jump in on some of the bigger pieces, but ultimately, I mean, it is about utilizing the pledge and also um, finding ways for it to bring us together so that we can bring others along with us. Let's continue to grow. Let's, let's have a meeting, a, 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 a conference. Let's, let's come together in this specific country um, and find ways that that will unify us. We come together because we all agree with this. Now, where do we go from here? Yeah, and I think that I would add again, I think the heart and the, the core DNA of World Without Orphans is collaboration and bringing the church and government and NGO and all these sectors together to solve each nation's orphan crisis in, you know, in their own country. And so again, I see the global church pledge as a piece of that puzzle. It's a, it's a piece um, that, that marries really nicely with some of the other resources that we have in our World Without Orphans roadmap. And so we just see this as a really nice addition to that. And so I'll give a little plug for that if, if you want to go on our website as well uh, to the world to worldwithoutorphans.org and see our roadmap resource, which also just has some great ideas for the church coming together and starting those collaboration conversations. And another exciting resource that we that we have already available, but we're also going to be kind of launching and pushing it more in January. And I think it goes really well with the Global Church Pledge is this church leaders guide. And throughout the, the pandemic over the last seven, eight months, um, we've partnered really closely with Parenting for Lifelong Health and developed and taking some of the parenting tips that they were pushing 
um, during COVID, but actually revamping that all geared at church leaders. And so as I've been uh, chatting more about the, the Global Church Pledge and also working with some of our team on this church leaders pack, we really just see it as like this awesome thing that we can hand to, to church leaders around the world and say, hey, you can talk about this Global Church Pledge and you can also see ways that you can help at-risk families either in your church or in your community and wrap around. Because again, I mean, we want this to be a tool to see they have people in their midst, right? This isn't, especially when we look at the global church and even here in the U.S., this isn't about looking far away. It's looking within your own neighborhood, your own city, your own region, whatever that looks like to say, how can we help the vulnerable children, you know, or the vulnerable families that are being impacted right now? Yeah, no, that's great. And, and I, I, I want to just say one more thing um, is that it, it really, you talk about it's only two sentences, but that's actually, I think, where the brilliance of it come is, is that it's only two sentences, right? I mean, the idea of In Pursuit of Orphan Excellence was to frame a conversation for people around this, a lot of the, how do we get families into this setting that we normally didn't have families, right? But that's, 200 and something pages, right, to, to have that. But I really think that this pledge has been so wonderfully crafted to really start that conversation and to be able to frame that conversation in two sentences, which is, you know, really, I think, attesting to the, to the people that have come together and the people that are involved with it. And I say that not because... It, I was in that room, but I wasn't really involved with the crafting of it. So I want to be make that very clear, like I'm not tooting my own horn here. I think there are some just some people that have put a lot of work into making this a statement that, and it was you know a big a long conversation about it, like what words and what's important, what's critical, what's you know why why are we doing this? And so I, I want to just say, folks out there, you know, don't like say, oh, it's just it's just something like Ellie said, you know, or Karen, I can't remember which one you said. Don't just go and sign it and go check the box done. No, really study this this pledge and go, do I understand this? Do I understand what they're talking about? Do I understand why this is important or why this is, it's, you know, it might seem to you like, of course, this is basic stuff. But obviously it's not just simple basic stuff or else, well, some of it's simple, it's just not easy because it's not happening right now. So I think that's something to, to just... As you're engaging this, folks, to, to really, if you don't understand it, send an email to the people that say, if you have questions, send an email to. Ask the questions. There is no dumb question because these are things that, as you said, what the numbers, 90-something percent, 80-something percent of people, you know, think orphanages are, are really good things. And, you know, and sometimes in the very exception of the rule, it's, it's necessary for certain kids in certain places. But for the for the most part, you know, we're going to get kids into families that are permanent, long-term, biological, ideally, but other, you know, families that we can get kids into. So, anyway, I just wanted to say that because it was it was really encouraging to me to see it coming together because as I was in that room, but you know, a little over a year ago, to see how it's coming to fruition and go, man, this is this is going to be really cool. And and we are also seeing, as you've heard on the show with other guests that we've had, that there is this really groundswell of work together that people are doing and um it's it's really exciting time to be to be a part of all this so all right rick you're up all right so we've kind of come to that point 
in our our podcast where um, you know we've we've talked a lot about um, about the the pledge and and we've talked about the collaboration that can happen around that, but we we are now kind of at the place where we're going to ask that question, right? And 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 really, it's rooted in the fact that that you know part of being a part of this community is um, really listening to and growing from. The things we hear from each other. So, Ellie, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you first. But what what is one thing that you've read, watched, or listened to um, recently that that's really informed your thinking about how we can love orphan and vulnerable children with excellence? I don't know how many times I have bought books and watched videos and things like that because I listen to this podcast and I'm like, if they say it, I gotta do it. So I think this might have been. I actually have it right here. Um, I'm actually not quite finished. It's a really, it's one of those books that you're like writing notes all over, but it's called Systems Thinking for Social Change. Somebody else might have already recommended it on this show. Um, it says, a practical guide to solving complex problems, avoiding unintended consequences, and achieving lasting results. Uh, sounds great, right? We just read that book and we got it all fixed. No, but there's some really good stuff. And one of the things Faith to Action, I think, is kind of prioritizing in the next year or two in regards to new guidance. You know, we have a lot of things that we have, but is really helping the church and helping Christians think through what we call like a systems mindset. But we're not going to use that word because that's a scary, weird sounding word. But just going, and Rebecca Knepp said it at the World Without Orphans Forum. She said, you know, going into orphan care is not you know, a buffet line where you look and you see, whoa, I could do that, or I could do that thing, or I could do foster care, or I could do an orphanage, or I could, but really you need to look at, you know, what is around that can support children? What are the problems that are affecting children? And how can I link to things that allow this not just to be about me, but to be about a whole system that can in the long-term care well for children? And so this systems thinking for social change book is really helping me put language to some of that um, and uh, is, is really, I think, something that comes from the social change world. But I think we are, we're kind of doing a social change. Um, so I think it's important for us to be aware of, of that knowledge in that That's world. Awesome. Karen, what about it? What have you listened yeah, to? Well, I knew, I knew, I I knew you knew it was I, coming, I right? also knew, <laughs> I knew, and I can't repeat what I said last time since it's been six months since we talked last, so I need to be reading something new. Well, and I actually saw, so I'm reading this book. This book was sent to me, and I saw that you interviewed him recently, and I also have it by me, but the, As Many As yeah. the Stars by Robert Glover. So I saw he was in your podcast lineup. I haven't listened to the interview. Oh, look at Bill's got his copy next to him too. But I just, I'm halfway through and I have to say, um, as a storyteller myself and just somebody who really gravitates, um, and I've known Robert Glover professionally and have interacted with him in a professional space, but I did not know a lot of his personal journey and just um, how God spoke so clearly and moved in so many miraculous ways to get him to China at the time and place. And so I think I've just been riveted by his story to see that God moved, you know, heaven and earth to get him there. And then just to see, I'm just at the very beginning in terms of where he's impacting the changes in the system, you know, so the practical side of what Ellie's just referencing, but um, this just being someone's story of really coming in and changing a system, but seeing how God really used him. So I've been very impacted by this book. I've, I've just like kind of chunked away chapter at, at each night, but I'm really, really enjoying that book. Are you sure the two of you didn't talk 
because really like that's we sort of have the theory and uh -huh. then the story to validate it like it, it's yeah. right there together that's awesome and uh so <laughs> wow we're just in sync absolutely <laughs> that's awesome and can I give props before we leave? There's a facilitation team of people that are working on the Global Pledge. Karen and I are on that, but there's an awesome group out of Home for Good. I think you've had Rebecca Patterson on this group before. She's done so much work. She did that video. There's a lot of people that have put input into this Global Church Pledge. I just want to give all the credit to people who've been working really hard on it, but I'm honored to be able to have a piece of it because I think it is powerful and I'm excited yeah, to see what I agree. Does. I think it's, it's really exciting. Karen, there's a little you know dirty little secret of of this ep this show is if you haven't finished the book you don't tell people you haven't finished the book yet you just oh. you recommend it <laughs> as if you finished it podcast i'm a truth teller yes so i know i know <laughs> well i didn't it's not not telling the truth it's just saying i recommend You're it worried. i'm always worried something at the what? end's like really you can, bad you can. Well, I, they already interviewed the guy on the show they must yeah. they're endorsing was, the book themselves so <laughs> <laughs> no it's you know i'm just kidding um i'm kidding and i'm not kidding all at the same time um and then ellie it's funny because that was we mentioned brandon stiver earlier that was brandon stiver recommendation yeah. uh when he was in the middle of his master's program i believe he actually read that book in now his master's you program say that i'm pretty sure i listened to that episode in boston yeah. Yep, you probably that. did. I'm I sure you did. And then that. Rebecca Nepp talked about, yeah, Thanks, and Rebecca talked about systems theory at the World Without Orphans. So it's just come, you know, it's full circle. So it's fun stuff. Um, and uh, so again, love having you two on. Uh, so much fun, as you folks can tell out there. We had a lot of fun with this. Um, but uh, mm -hmm. respect both of you very, very much. Love doing this work with both of you. And uh, just thank you for all you're doing. Thanks for taking the time to be a part of this. And uh, yeah, we're just very, very excited to get this out to folks to so they can learn from it. Thank you Thanks so much. Well, thanks again to Ellie and Karen. Uh, again, Rick, so much fun. I love those two women. Um, just fantastic to be able to work with them, to be able to learn from them, and and just to do this stuff with them. You know, is is a blast, and it's exciting to see how God is moving to bring organizations together. Quite frankly, a lot of them, you'd never think that they'd work together. I mean, she didn't go down the list, but when you see this Global Church Pledge and all the different um, organizations that are a part of it, and now you'll be able to do that when you're listening to this, the pledge will be fully released and launched, and all this stuff will be you'll be able to get at, at our website at the thinkorphan.com show notes here. So, um, but Rick, what, what did you think about, what did you think of it? Yeah. I mean, you know, Phil, I, I think, you know, just on the face of it, I mean, um, the idea that, um, you know, God created family for children is, is an idea that we all embrace. And it's something that we, you know, believe deeply in. And, and I think the, you know, really the, the genius in this is the simplicity, just a very simple statement that says, um, you know, family is, is a, is, is something, you know, from God and that God has, um, you know, has, has ordained, uh, the family and the church, um, and, and a statement that's, you know, that's kind of built around those two ideas is, um, is something that we, you know, definitely should, um, you know, should embrace. And so I'm just very thankful for, uh, for Karen and for Ellie and for their, you know, for their great work in, so many different areas and obviously have been impacted by both of them. Um, but just really thankful for their leadership in this effort. And, uh, and I think, 
we, uh, you know, there's not, there's not a whole lot more left to be said, except um, go check out the statement and, and really, you know, prayerfully consider how your church, your organization, anybody that you're affiliated with, that you can, uh, you know, you can begin to, uh, to embrace the ideals that are, you know, that are represented in the statement by claiming the statement. Yeah, you know, I, I think that at the end of the day, for me, anything that is for unity and unifying organizations and bringing people together, bringing organizations together to do work together and to simplify that process as much as possible is something I'm for, you know. And as long as it's something that is, is consistent with, obviously, um, consistent with what we're doing. And what we are, what our mission is to, to help orphan and vulnerable children to flourish and children and families to flourish around the world, that that is something that, you know, I think, you know, you and I both, we talk about it all the time on this show. Like, that's why we're doing this show is to help children and families flourish. And it's why we do what we do in our homes. And it's why we are seeking to, you know, work with other organizations and working so hard to collaborate with or other organizations, not just, you know, check the box and say, oh, we connected with somebody, so we're done. Mm -hmm. No, it's how do we actually work together to build the kingdom together? And what does that look like? And, you know, and that's, that's something that I see this as a step toward as consistent with that conversation and it's something that in isolation is not going to do anything as they said as as ellie said if all you do is sign a piece of paper and you check the box and you're done that's not going to do anything but right. in conjunction with um as we've talked in the past a, a a collective where we can get organizations trained up in all the things that they need to do if we get it in the in the context and, and in connection with world without orphans and christian alliance for orphans and, and all the work that our organizations are doing and we have this pledge that basically acts as you know for lack of a better better you know lack of a better term the the purpose statement for this collective work that we're doing together that encompasses and really is this broad statement that encompasses what all of our organizations are doing and are all our individual mission statements and vision statements and everything that at the end of the day it's you know it's kind of one step short of you know we're building the kingdom right and that's yeah and that's i think gives a little bit more something to grab onto which is which is fantastic in my opinion yeah i think you know at the end of the day uh the statement is is sufficiently uh, you know, specific to have meaning, but it's, it, it's, it's intentionally broad enough to, you know, to really allow us to, you know, to be able to embrace it and cooperate. And it's just, yeah, it's just very well done. So I hope our, I hope our, you know, our friends out there will go, um, check it out, sign it, pledge it, you know, hold it up as one of those things. And, that, uh, that, that you refer to often as you're, you know, as, as you're thinking about and evaluating the things that, that you do in ministry and thinking about and evaluating how you, how you co cooperate and collaborate with others in, uh, you know, in, in how you accomplish ministry together. So, Good stuff. yeah, with that, folks, I think it's ready. It's, you know, we're ready. It's time for us to uh, sign off another, another episode. You know, I, I will say as we're signing out, there's a, there is a great, uh, book that I'm I'm in the middle of and I I just 
I did this in honor of Karen Springs just honestly saying she did not finish the book that she recommended. <laughs> and I am going to say that I am recommending a book based on the author. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce is the author of this book, and he wrote this book, Two Cities, Two Loves. And I'm also you know, piggybacking on the recommendation of Alistair Begg. And if he's going to recommend a book, I don't think I'm going to regret recommending it to you either. And I've already started reading this. It's a fantastic book, Two Cities, Two Loves. It's basically Boyce brings the uh, Augustine city of God to a modern-day uh, understanding. And so it's it's really the reason I bring it up in this episode is it's it's really talking about the, the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of man. And if we're truly going to be doing this kingdom work, we need to know that we are in the kingdom of God. We are citizens of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. And in that kingdom of God, it is an upside down kingdom where these kids, these vulnerable kids, these families that are suffering, the, the poverty in poverty, the oppressed, the sick, the poor, they are the ones that are at the, the core of heart, the God, you know God's heart. And we are to love them. I mean, that is what we are to do. And if we are following God, if we are in the kingdom of God, that will be our heart. And we talk about that in In Pursuit of Orphan Excellence. And we're talking about it here. And it's something that I firmly believe. And it's something that I hope, you know, as the more and more you look into this, the more and more you study Scripture, the more and more you get involved in this work, the more you realize that. This is the core of God's heart. So I do hope and pray that you take everything that you're learning, everything that you heard today, everything that you're hearing from all these episodes, from these books that you're reading. I love that Ellie recommended a book that was from one of our former episodes, and, and as was Karen's. And those are things that just excite me because I do hope and pray that you're taking everything that you're learning from this show and you're using it to help you understand how you can love orphan and vulnerable children better and better each and every day. Thanks a lot. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. For all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.